Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe and Andy Howell. How are we doing, gents? Good afternoon, good afternoon. Pretty good, thank you, uh, Ben. Been a great uh, great afternoon, the start of the Welsh Sporting Year, in my eyes, with the uh, naming of the Wales team to face England. The build-up the World Cup is really on. Absolutely it is. You're looking a little bit sort of sheepish in the, in the new equipment, Andy, but uh, I'm sure you're there. Letting them loose on the new equipment, son. Uh, yeah, I've never seen this. Uh, the last time I've seen anything like this was when the uh, when the um, the first landing of the, on the moon. <laughs> not, I, not, I was certainly not around back then. Not far off, I, uh, mate. No, we near. I don't think I was. I don't think I was alive when the film came out. Apollo <laughs> uh, <laughs> thirteen. What a film! What a film! Anyway, I'll take your word for it, mate. I wasn't born. But, more, uh, <laughs> more importantly, but yeah, we got a lot to discuss uh, on the podcast today. But before that, just a little uh, piece of housekeeping. If you do enjoy the podcast, uh, be sure to give it a like, give it a subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting uh, sort of platform you listen to it on. That is, uh, well, we appreciate that. It always helps. But as I say, we've got a lot to discuss uh, today. Warren Gatlin named his team to face England, as did Eddie Jones. He named his England team. So um, ahead of the first Rugby World Cup warm-up game at Twickenham on Sunday. Let's kick things off by uh, looking at Gatlin's selection. It's very much full strength, isn't it, boys? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's come as a bit of a shock, isn't it, really? I mean... Has it? Well, I suppose not. I mean, there was, there was a lot of talk about uh, protecting players and how much you wanted to risk players, and we saw Falatel go down last week, and I think everybody started to get a little bit panicked, and it was like, oh, God, we can't afford to lose any more players, and I think that set everyone off a little bit. Um, but he's gone, he's gone full strength, as you alluded to. Uh, it's one of those things where it's, there's, there's a balance to be struck, but... When I listened to Gatlin speak at the press conference today, it kind of won me over a little bit. Um, I was probably in the camp that I'd like to see the, the frontline players protected a little bit more, but they want to maintain this winning run that they're on. They want to replicate what the World Cup's going to be like, so they, they're probably going to go quite full full strength again next week as well with a six-day turnaround similar or the same as what they've got between Georgia and Australia. So when you hear Gatlin talk and you hear the rationale behind it all, it's probably... Um, less surprising um, he doesn't seem as worried as, uh, about injuries as the rest of us probably adopting the approach of um, you know this is rugby it's a contact sport and you can't you can't wrap these players up in cotton wool yeah don't forget yeah, Wales, Wales have had an injury so like we felt tell it's on the yeah, on the training training paddock uh, Corey Hill has had a uh, knock as well uh, from, from the training uh, paddock Thomas Williams injured his shoulder uh, today and is probably off the bench uh, for this weekend so we don't know the extent of that uh, uh, that injury as Gatlin pointed out today he expects to lose a couple of players before the World Cup but if you look around the rest of the world it'll be the same situation you know Australia have got uh, doubts over David Pocock and New Zealand over Brody Retallick two of the best players in the world so it's inevitable you're going to have uh, injuries it's whether you've got the depth to uh, uh, to cover to cover them and uh, Wales certainly have got a lot of depth and I think Gatlin is de- uh, it's the right policy to go fully uh, loaded or virtually fully loaded against England irrespective of the team England were going to uh, put out and Gatlin didn't know in advance he hadn't discussed with Eddie Jones you know about relative strengths um, you know before the last World Cup uh, Wales had discussed with Ireland what teams to play so you'd have competitive matches but this so th- this time Wales have gone in with a set policy uh, strong team and it, as Graham Price said to me, the great Graham Price, when you build a winning run, you work hard 
to get that many runs and it's so easy to throw it away. And from what Gatlin said today, and I can understand it, Wales do not want to throw it away. They, if they keep on winning, they're going to keep building, generating momentum for the World Cup. So uh, on, on that note, mind, it was interesting to, to hear him say that even though they didn't speak to England before these warm-ups, he has had conversations with Joe Schmidt. Now, I don't know if that speaks to their relationship or whether it means they've got a better relationship, but it, it very much sounds like um, the game in... Cardiff. The game in Cardiff against Ireland, yeah, it's going to be a very sort of give players who are perhaps on the fringes one last chance to impress. So I think the Cardiff game against Ireland is going to be pretty um, experimental. And uh, you mentioned uh, the injury to Tolupi Falatau, and obviously that's thrown up big opportunities in the back row, which I suppose brings us quite nicely on to the return of a, fa- a welcome face uh, on the bench, which is Aaron Shingland, suddenly now, with Ross Moriarty going to be nailed on at eight. There's there's a there's a there's a jersey at six up for grabs there and it's it's the perfect time for him to be back, isn't it? Yeah, sure it is, because he is a huge presence at the line out. When he was playing for Wales, he was almost a one man team at times. He was moving up and down the line out, primary uh, source of uh, uh possession. And, you know, uh Wales thought he was fantastic that uh, campaign and he's a player that they uh well, they didn't miss him much as regards results last season, but he, he he's a player they, they got a lot of time for. He's added aggression to his uh to his game. And of course if you've got Moriarty at uh, number eight who's not really a line out forward, then you do need someone line up perhaps at uh, six. So uh Shingler could have a big part to play in the World Cup and it's great to see him uh, you know, involved this uh, uh this weekend. Interestingly, Wales are not gonna replace Talupi Falatel in the squad. That is interesting, actually, because one of the first things I said when when Fartel got injured was I can't believe they're not calling somebody up to replace him purely because I thought they'd need the cannon fodder. I know it's a bit harsh, but it's professional sport at the end of the day, and I thought they need it to protect the frontline players. Now they've obviously gone a different way with that, uh, but it's quite interesting to hear Gatlin say today as well that the injury to Fartel, although it, it's obviously not ideal to lose him the way that they have. It's, it's almost made their decision a lot easier now. He alluded to the fact that when Falatau was there, they were going to have to make a very difficult call, which I read as being between Shingler and Aaron Wainwright. Now he said, perhaps we don't have that decision to have to make. And he, then he went on to allude to the fact that James Davis has been carrying an injury. So I think if you look at it now, in my opinion, before a ball has been kicked in these warm-ups, that back row department is nailed on now for the World Cup. And, and your five will be uh, Tipperick, Navidi, Moriarty, Wainwright and Shingler. Uh, and I think that's what Wales and I think that's what Warren Gatlin is probably looking at now. Um, so off the back of that Falatel thing, it's, it's arguably, well, in my what I've read into what Gatlin has said, it's made their decision a lot easier. That's certainly interesting. I guess it's just it's up to sort of the likes of James Davis to sort of Try force his James, way in, and yeah. But James now he's got a back problem. That's the other thing. That so is, the is thing. he going to get an opportunity? If he doesn't get an opportunity, if he doesn't play against someone, he's not going to be going to the World Cup unless, unless they took Shingler as a um, as a uh, back five forward as a lock. But looking at his selection, Jake Ball's on a bench. I'd expect Wales to go to the World Cup with four specialist locks. Yeah, I, I think it's really simplified things for yeah. Gatland. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, as as hor- horrible as it is for Falatau, I think it's made Gatland's job a, a touch easier. So speaking of sort of positions that are nailed on, scrum half is largely one that's nailed on because there's three scrum halves in the training squad and we can pretty much assume they're going to take three scrum halves to Japan. Well, we, we, it's not a caution here because we don't know the extent of Thomas's Williams' that's injury what, today. That's what I was going to come on to. Obviously, Thomas was named yeah. on the bench. Now he's out. Mm. Um, 
first of all, you know, what are your thoughts on sort of Thomas missing this game at sea? Yeah, well, I mean, like like Andy said, nobody knows how serious that is yet. Warren Gatlin referred to it as a knock, and though he admitted himself, you know, it pretty much happened an hour or so, probably hour and a half before the press conference. So the, he hasn't had any scans or any any of the required assessments yet. Um, but I mean, we obviously know it's bad enough that it needs further assessment. So it's it's not something that can just be shrugged off. Um, so that's alarming. Um, until we know just how bad it is in terms of the bigger picture, then it's difficult to make any comment. But you know, the the scrum half squadron, those three are so settled. You know, nobody is nobody is threatened to break into that really. So you know, Ali Davis comes in. And and the beauty of of the way this whole sort of trio has has evolved is that, you know, he comes in, but it's like he's just as good as as the guys who were there before. I mean, he's just as comfortable with the squad and the fly halves. So you know, those three can interchange, and really, whilst Gareth Davis is a little bit ahead of the other two, you wouldn't really have many qualms about any of them starting. Um, so that's a really good place to be in. But it's it's definitely a bit of a concern. Um, and and you'd be keen to find out a little bit more about what's happened to him, particularly when you consider that Thomas started the Six Nations, got injured, and then we never really saw much of him afterwards. You you feel like he's still the one who hasn't had probably a fair crack at the whip because of injuries at Test level to sort of show what he can do. And well, yeah, I, the, I, know, I know many people would think that if he, if yeah, he, yeah, I agree with you. Ben. If he yeah. if he does get a real chance, he he could be, you know, he, he, he could, could he could he could sort of establish himself as a starter. He had a fairly decent crack of the whip in Argentina. Um, yeah, and whilst, whilst obviously he didn't have a, a solid full run at it, I think Warren Gatland has made his stance clear on this. You know, when when the team is playing well and and they're winning the way that they have done, then he's not going to change it. And you know, unfortunately for Thomas, it was um, the injury came in the Six Nations, and Wales, as brutal as it seems, didn't miss him clearly. So. Uh, it's up to him then to raise his own standards and and displace the two ahead of him. And uh, I agree with what you're saying. We've uh, got to remember he's a youngster as well, yeah. so there's a lot of time for him. He's going to have another World Cup cycle in him at least to develop further. So yeah. I wouldn't say Ali Davis is ahead of him, mind, not at all. And I think that if Tom Williams had, had chances, enough games, he could possibly be Wales' best uh, uh, scrum half of the ones available. Uh, what what. Uh, uh, what happens though if Thomas Williams is ruled out the World uh, Cup? Is Gatlin can he only pick his replacement from Wales? Would it be like Lloyd Williams or Rodri Williams, or would, would he be given dispension by the WIU to go for Mr. Reese Webb? <laughs> <laughs> is the can of worms? How many scrum halves do you need to be injured before that's allowed to happen? Well, it's not. I don't think that's. Um, You'll be getting your boots out. As you have a game in my hand luggage. Yeah, no, it's not a. Um, that's not written into the legislation, though, is it? That's just Warren Gatland has said in the past that he hopes common sense would prevail yeah. in in such a scenario. So it's not it's not written into any sort of into the terms of of the selection policy. But it would be interesting, uh, very interesting, you know, if if the worst was to transpire about Thomas Williams to see what the union would do in response to any request to call up Reese Webb. But uh, my, you know, my initial impression is it's not that serious. But you know, I, don't, I think it's too early to say that because unless he, if he needs a scan, it's a scanner which will tell, isn't it? Yeah. And well, I think he, uh, am I right in saying he didn't have short, uh, shoulder surgery a few years ago, a couple of years ago? I couldn't, I couldn't say without I'm checking. Sure, he's had a shoulder problem before. I couldn't say without checking. Let's anyway. Let's hope that he's going to be, you know, yeah. that he, he's going to be fit in a week or two. Absolutely. So, so what, what else in this Wales team jumps out at you, selection wise? 
It's quite a tough question because it is very much. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. It's the side that we're used to sort of seeing week in, week out during the Well, I, I, I think this is the, f- the first choice back freeze on the pitch. Uh, yep. I think the half penny's got a lot of. It's got to force his way back in there, and he's going to need an opportunity uh, to do that. I think if. Uh, yeah, Adams, uh, George North, and Liam Williams will start the World Cup as it currently uh, stands. Uh, but I, I am told that the halfpenny's training really well and looks fantastic in training. So uh, he's going to be one who's desperate for a chance. These matches are, uh, uh, you know, an opportunity for players like him and a, a shingler for that to uh, um, to put the case forward. Um, so you know, that's certainly an, um, that's certainly something to look at. I think. I think it's a settled pairing at, at centre, but I am a bit concerned about the backup there. You know, when Owen Watkins plays, he's a good player, but we'd like to see a bit more out of him. Um, and, you know, what's Scott Williams' situation? Yeah, I mean, Owen Watkins, as I've said in the past, has been one of those who's shown uh, bags of potential, particularly at regional level, and has always struggled really to trans, you know, transport that into the international arena. Um Probably his best game for Wales came against Italy and the Six Nations just gone. I thought that was his best performance so far. Never really turned it on in Argentina, but threatened to at times. Clearly got it in him. Uh, it's just about dragging that out of him. Uh, he, the, the management have been desperate for him to come through as a as a genuine challenger to, to Hadley Parks or, or the centres. So, you know, he's not quite there yet. Scott Williams does bring that sort of experience with him. W- when I've seen him in training, he's probably got a little bit of conditioning work to do. Although in Switzerland, he looked uh, he looked far better. Uh, he looked like he was he was sort of not struggling with the pace, but it was taking its toll on him when they had an open training session at the kit launch. Um, he was he was blowing a bit, but he's had a lot of time off last season, um, so that's going to be a bit of a concern. But I think that i mean is obviously one of those two is going to, are going to go to the world cup scott williams or owen watkin and i would suggest that owen watkin is probably winning that race at the moment just because of where scott williams may or may not be fitness wise but it's definitely going to be interesting to see what scott williams can do if he gets a chance because when he played for the ospreys at the start of the season he really did stand out a little bit and i thought the criticism that came his way at the time was a little bit unfounded so be interesting to see him get another crack in he's, the warm-ups. Scott Williams is a good player. Yeah, he's he very good for Wales, and he's a game breaker. Yeah. He's a player who can who scored vital tries. He's done in it big for, matches against England, Ireland, yeah, etc. Yeah. He's done it quite often. Uh, he's either scored them or he's made them. Mm. You know, he is a good player. Because he does, he does feel like the sort of forgotten man, doesn't he? At the minute, through injuries. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just injuries. And if he can have a good run, um, then yeah, it's it's going to be a bit of a headache for Gatland. You just hope that. Uh, if Scott Williams isn't fully fit, then he doesn't stand a chance, basically, no. because that's that's how you know they're not going to take anybody to the World Cup who's not who's not ready to go, and especially when they've got the depth they now have. You know, how many centres are going to take? Oh. Three, in my opinion. Or a North cover centre. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see them doing anything different, to be honest. Um, I think they've got bigger decisions elsewhere, probably. Uh, namely, you know, and there's a lot of players like you know Reese Patchell. Do they try and make room for him? How's the back three going to shape up? How's that? You know. I don't think centres is a position where they're going to take more than they need. So I think it's going to be down to one of Williams or Watkin. You could take a 10-12. Charlotte Evans. There's a bolt a few. He played both positions. How many minutes did he play? Oh my 12 you for the Blues. At Saracens in a massive Champions Cup match. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I was. Yeah, go? I was. I was at the Allianz that day, and um, John Mulder reckons he'd be a fantastic twelve in a Tim Oren mould. He he would. Uh, what I would say is they had to 
cut that short that day because of injury. So he, I think he had about 30 minutes there of one Champions Cup. I don't think he's, he's quite sort of ready well, to be throw, thrown in a test we, level. We need to go out there, have a chat with Paul, abandon out to our boss and sort out a drugs test for you after making <laughs> com- <laughs> comments like that. What an We'd allegation. Spe- spewing out yeah. comments like that on our podcast. <laughs> I think mean, you need point, some more time it? off, Sam. You need, need hey, another week away. The great Barry John, great Barry John, you know, knows the game inside out and all that. Keeps mentioning Jared Evans in dispatches. Now, Barry is Barry, of course, who championed Gareth Anscombe. He's been championing him since he's been here. And, and finally, the message has got through to Gatlin because Anscombe established himself last season as Wales' first choice number 10. So is Barry uh, ahead of the game, well, as he was as a player? He might be, but I think like Anscombe, he might have a bit, <laughs> some time to wait before he uh, gets hurt yeah, on this one as well. I think there's that be was just throwing something out there, so, but, but someone else hey, will come no, I mean, North is not a special centre. There's no monopoly on ideas on this podcast here, so I never <laughs> knock it off that. Uh, no, such, no such thing as bad ideas. No, but no, no, that's something North is that he's not a, a, um, a natural centre, and he, you know, I'm not saying he can do it from the start in, well he's had to do it from the start in big games before yeah. against France Aus- over here he's had to do it against Australia, Australia in the a World couple of times. Cup. I think he had to move there against England in the last World Cup again when, when we had all those injuries Scott yeah, Williams Lloyd went off it. yeah Lloyd went to set Scott Williams went off north into the centre Cuthbert on the wing and then obviously Hallam went off and Lloyd had to go on the wing then um, so yeah you know it's um, what were we talking about then I uh, totally lost my train of thought. The Jared Evans <laughs> thing has thrown me. And we talk, Jared, Jared's on the plane. Then is that is that is that the is that the takeaway from that? No, hey, I can tell you what though. About twenty-four players are on a plane already. There's only seven or eight places up for grabs. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 that's yeah. without their shadow of doubt. And I think. Oh, uh, well, Warren Gatlin yeah, said it. Yeah, press conference yeah, today, can yeah, yeah, you know, and he's right. We could all sit down now. And we could easily draw up twenty-four players who are going to definitely be going to World Cup. Presumably, twenty-three of them are playing on Sunday. Uh, is, there any, yeah. is there anyone really if you say if you count Jake Ball in it yeah well yeah I tell you what Jake but the thing is like you said Coriel is not playing because of injury mm. so Jake Ball is the mm. one who you would look at and say mm, mm. maybe not how many second rows are we expecting to take four four second four. rows it's just whether or not you, you consider Shingler to be one of those second rows or mm. not which given the injury to Falato Pro- I don't think he does probably not no, now yeah. no probably not so yeah probably is 23 so, you yeah. know and now Sirius is uh, uh, Coriel's uh, ankle injury of course it was the ankle he damaged against England when he scored that try uh, and he hasn't played since and um, so he's got an ankle problem we, I'm not sure if it's the same, the same leg or the other leg you know um, you know potentially could that sideline him and if he does then you know Bradley Davis would come into the equation as well Right, so that's Wales taken care of, but of course there is another team uh, in this match on Sunday, that's England. Eddie Jones has uh, named his 23. A couple of uh, interesting selections in there, let's just say that. Where where should we start? Well Andy, I know you've got some strong views on that Yeah, it seems to me that Eddie Jones is running scared of Wales (laughs) uh, with this election. I'm astonished because they're on uh, Twickenham turf and uh, he's uh, named an experimental... uh, side and of course he is actually naming his World Cup squad on Monday even though he doesn't have to do that for a few weeks his team smacks of this is the last chance for some players uh, to prove a point but uh, I say he's running scared because that uh, maybe he's got fear in the back of his mind if he went fully loaded and Wales had gone fully loaded. If England suffered an home defeat against Wales in those circumstances, you know, the world could come tumbling down on Eddie Jones and England's uh, brittle World Cup uh, uh, 
bid. So, uh, so you know, I, I, almost to me, is always almost throwing this game before uh, before the uh, kickoff. Um, that team is quite small, actually. Uh, it hasn't got much of a line out. Their backs end are not big. Are they, are they up to the facing the uh, physical might of uh, Wales? You know, England are going to be massive underdogs this match. You would expect Wales to win fairly comfortably, but throwing it the other way, if it, if Wales are unhinged be a huge blow to Wales. Well, yeah, I mean, looking at the size that have been announced now, if Wales lose this game, it's going to come as a as a fairly hefty blow. And, yeah. you know, the psychology that comes with that is going to be interesting. Wales have always in the past been better as underdogs. They've become far more comfortable in their role as as uh, favourites, as they've shown in the last 14 games. So it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to evolve. And they have to uh, continue to grow ever more comfortable with that tag, particularly now as they're going into the World Cup as, you know, one of the most fancied sides. Looking at the England team, as as we've alluded to, you initially saw it come out and you thought, there's no way Wales should lose this game. And I still don't no. think there's a way, any way Wales should lose this game. But if you actually look at the pack, it's not that bad. I mean, the back row is is pretty formidable. Tom Curry, Sam Underhill and Billy Vanapola. You know, you're not going to you're not gonna take any many backward steps. Nice. It's a notable sort of departure from a sort of Eddie Jones back row. Because he's, he's, from the outside looking in, he's had his problems with the back row, hasn't he? Oh, it's the England have had problems with the back row exactly, for, yeah. for, for years, I would argue. But that at least that looks like they're going. Well, it's two open sides. Well, isn't it's it? a very, it's a very physical back row. First it's physical, but it's also two open sides, which you consider when Eddie came in, it was two sixes. Mm. Mm. So it's going to be, in, you know, Wales are going to be at, you know, they're going to be at it at the breakdown. Sorry, uh, England, Tom Gary and Sam Underhill in there, and you look at the front five. You know, that's not bad, really. I take Andy's point in regards to the line-out. I mean, how fast it, you know Joe Launchbury doesn't get up quicker, uh, as quick as most. Uh, he's, a, he's a big old chap to throw up, and they haven't got many line-out options in, in the back row, you know. So I think Wales could have the edge edge there, but that yeah. sort of tight yeah. five is, is, is pretty formidable. Tactically, really. is in, is, uh, tactically what will Wales do uh, in the Six Nations? Wales kept the ball on the park. There wasn't many line-outs in the match. And then and Wales did did a job at the uh, breakdown with Navidi mm. tip rich. Is Eddie Jones countering that now? So do Wales actually kick the ball off the park a lot more and contest the line out? Or because it's a, a warm up match of the World Cup, do you just want to go on there and play rugby? I don't know. It's interesting because if you think you mentioned sort of Shingler coming back to save the Welsh line out, but obviously the Six Nations, Wales had a lot of problems with their with their line outs. They'd gone from being the best yeah, in did. best best line out in, in Test rugby in twenty eighteen to the worst line out in the, the Six worst, Nations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they sorted it out as the tournament went on, mate. It got better. Well Yeah. It was it, it was all don't get me wrong, opening night against France, it was abysmal. Yeah, by the time they came to Ireland it was better, but it mm. was still you were kicking the ball into the 22 for penalties and wondering whether or not you were getting it back. You know, it, it was by no means a banker. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean... They were, they, were, they were relying on Justin Tipperick just sort of to sort of Well, Tipperick was just doing what Shingler was, wasn't he? Moving yeah, up exactly, and down the line yeah. out, almost a one-man team. Because, yeah. you know, Alan Wynne Jones, they isn't... He took responsibility, he did, yeah. against Ireland, and he, he took a lot of ball. Yeah, but he's he just just because he's he's just not the quickest off the ground, which yeah. you know mm. that can't be helped. So you know, but yeah, I mean, like that, like I said, that England pack is is not something to be messed with. Yeah, you look at their backline, and that's where you begin to have some concerns. And that's, I think, their backline is a bit more of what you alluded to. A lot of it players, yeah. a lot of players there in in last chance saloon. You know, you're looking at oh. people like Piers Francis and. Um, 
I, I'll make the former sevens player. I'm, don't look at me like I'm going to pronounce his name because I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try that. I've, uh, I've, got, I've got him here on the screen. I'm just going to see if I can follow along the syllables while he's I have, I have I have not tried it before this podcast. And I'm not about to try it during the podcast. But, I, you know, I don't know a lot about him myself. Um, Rory McConaughey. There it is. Sevens guy. I, I'm glad you did. Did he play for Team it. GB at the Rio um, that's a very good question. I, I, was too, I was too busy trying to pronounce his name. I don't remember who he is. That's what Josh Adams said today. Did he? Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's what he. Um, said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at you look at that England Backspace. back line. Uh, um, Piers France is not big either. No, they're not big, but also yeah. to the point, like you know, Willie Hines is making his debut. I know he's an experience. For me, this is the biggest problem England have. Scrum, yeah. It's scrum half, isn't it? You think another New Zealander they recruited. But yeah, like this is so Willie yeah. Hines. He's worth. Stop you there. Our sevens mate went to the Rio Olympics. Rory McConaughey. Oh, well done. There you go. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Josh. That's all right. Thank you, Josh Google. Adams. Bang on. You wouldn't expect anything less if he's playing against him this weekend. Thank do you. you thank do you. your research. Thank you, Google. Yes. But, thank you, Google. Um, yeah, we know Willie Hines is what thirty-two, and he's the the fourth scrum half to make his international debut under Eddie Jones. Well, they have got problems, haven't they, outside Ben Youngs, and, well, and, and of course, you know, Eddie Jones has he's uh, put Danny Kerr has discarded the past, yeah. Danny. Uh, Danny Kerr 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 was excellent off the bench I I didn't really rate him as a starting nine but I thought he was excellent off the bench and he's the sort of player you want to back up Youngs Eddie Jones is is, is, you know so unusual in his selection sometimes I mean you consider you had um, I think Ben Spencer was given a debut under Jack Mounder and then Dan Robson always looked to be the next cab off the ranks made his debut got like was it 11 minutes in the Six Nations against Italy Managed to score in that time. Um, I know he's he's had a blood clot issue, which I think kept him out the back end of the season. But it just looks like Eddie Jones has dispensed with him, and now he's thrown Willie Hines. Like if Ben Youngs goes down, well, you saw the last time Ben Youngs went down was that Six Nations twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen? Disney. He he went running to Richard Wigglesworth straight away, who wasn't even in the squad because mm. he didn't trust anyone else. So mm. scrum scrum half is a major issue from yeah. the outside looking in for England. I. They're not going to fix it. Well, we we always say, you know, trying to predict what Warren Gatlin's going to do sometimes can be difficult, but trying to predict what Eddie Jones is thinking is is a mugs game, isn't it? You know, he's he's very much his own man, and wait, yeah, um, you know, at the end of the day, he lives and lives and dies by these decisions. So, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, the Twickenham crowd are not going to be very happy this uh, this weekend of the team selection. You know, pay big money to go and watch, and they're watching a lot of England seconds playing or thirds. Mm -hmm. That's true. That is true. Elliot Daly yeah. jury's still out on him at fullback in a, in a, in a test shirt isn't it well yeah. he didn't have Wales exposed him but he didn't do so well against Wales but he, Elliot Daly is a good all right there's no doubt he's a brilliant test player yeah. I just he don't is. think England know how to use him I'm not sure he's got his best position yeah. yeah you could argue should Watson be fullback where he's played a lot and Daly on a wing yeah, or Daly at centre even yeah but that's yeah. you know you look you look at the difference between the back threes there and Mm. Well, Lee, Watson's Lee, a good Lee, player, mind. He is a good and Daly, player. Don't forget, Watson and Daly are test starters. Well, Lions. Lions test starters when yeah. they were fit. And Hopefully the fit. other thing is they got um, Joe Coganasiga on the bench, and he's, he, he's a man who uh, I think should should be worrying for defenses. Yeah, big old unit can shift, and um, you know I don't think Wales should be sort of discounting yeah. any sort of dangers he might possess because you know. I think the reason he's probably on the bench is because he, he may possibly, um, he's probably one of those Eddie Jones is thinking about taking. I would certainly be thinking about taking him if I was Eddie Jones. Yeah, I don't think England's uh, back three is any more dangerous than Wales is, though. 
and Wales Adams is fantastic in the yeah. Six Nations and all he can uh, he knows how to skin a cat so to speak the way he beats people with his uh, footwork and his mm. intelligence North at his best it takes some stop in and Liam Williams was he lost one in 23 matches last season or something yeah. astonishing yeah. winning record bloke's on fire could be the only man in history to win the domestic title the European title the Six Nations and the Rugby World Cup all in the same year incredible stuff I just noticed that you had no problem pronouncing Joe Cock and Asiga because <laughs> <laughs> I've said that one before so I, I, can, I can get around that one but what's the guy, name of the guy who's playing <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to when we number, me and you go to Twickenham on Saturday he's just going to be our mate number 14 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one opposite Josh Adams no, we'll have to practice that one for the copy a couple of times before we get to the live blog. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, a good point. Yeah, spelling that, yeah, spelling yeah, that yeah, in yeah. Uh, under pressure is not going to be easy. I think yep. that's England put to bed, isn't it? Unless you boys have got anything else you want to add to the uh, the party. Well, I'm going to just predict a uh, uh, fairly convincing Welsh victory. Yeah, I would. I would feel similarly confident. Okay. okay well, yeah, we'll do the we'll do the predictions now. Then, and we'll get into the questions. So let's, okay. let's 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 get score lines. Yeah, I mean, well, score lines. Let me have a think. So Wales, I think Wales are going to score three tries. Gareth Anscombe is not going to miss any kicks at goal. So that's twenty-one. I'm going to go with something like 28-12 something like that. I'm gonna go more twenty six ten. That yeah, something like that. It's a good shot. Yeah. Good, good score uh, lines. Yeah, I, I don't see Wales. Well, England are probably gonna score, um, but I just think Wales are gonna have have too much. Yeah, looking at, looking at you wonder how open this game is gonna be. Looking at them them teams, Wales are not gonna go away from no. what's been working for them. So <coughs> I, I don't expect Wales to suddenly turn into the barbarians just because England have, have picked an experimental side. But when you think just just on purely sort of you know when in England's kicking game in the Six Nations was sort of highly rated, even though Wales picked it apart, that was with Farrell, George Ford, Pierce Francis. There's always the chance they could kick a bit loose, and the way Liam Williams is playing at the minute on a on a nice Twickenham pitch, he, he could have he could have a field day. So, what's your prediction? Forty five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, thirty two, fourteen. That's mm. good. Get us into the thirties. I like that. Yeah, I don't think we're being too confident here either when you look at it because it's well, England's you know, the records are not the best. Where's it beaten? What was what was this what was the score? I forget what the score was in the Six Nations. That was by the time yeah, no, two scores. It was yeah, it, it was yeah, comfortable it was, in the end. It was yeah. comfortable in the end because of Josh Adams. I tell, you, I, tell you, I tell you what, when they went ahead, it was never in doubt. So exactly, yeah. Wales dominate that second half. Yeah, after, well, after five minutes, of the second half, you know, they took I, over. I, I would great job that. on them tactically. I, I would sort of discount that as well. I don't think that's going to have any bearing on this game. Just purely because no, but you know, even got a totally different side. If anyone's sort of listening, thinking, or oh, they're being a bit generous with the sort of margin of victory, you only got to look back to February to suggest that. I, I come Probably back. Not. I come back to it though. It's interesting the way the psychology of this is working because Wales are, as we've alluded to, heavy favourites here, and you know how they handle that themselves is is going to you know transpire a lot into the scoreline. You know how well they manage that expectation and how well they manage their the expectations they put on themselves is going to manifest itself in the scoreline as well. Well, I think they're more comfortable with their yeah. favourite tag these days. Yeah, they they are more comfortable in their own skin, but you know it's still an interesting bit of psychology there. So I suppose even though you know Wales clearly have the stronger team on this occasion, 
how how they go this weekend could play a well it will play a large part if you look at the the previous sort of Twickenham visits 2003 um, was it a bit handsome brought out but a mixed team sort of thing got hammered by 40 points that was in no that was in Cardiff in 2007 they got hammered under Gaz Jenkins was, I thought 2003 was Twickenham as well no, okay but yeah 43 something wasn't it so yeah um, yeah, 2000, yeah, 2007, they lost 62-5. Yeah. On paper, that one a bad worst team, mind, actually. One as weak as Gaz Jenkins trying to make out afterwards. I suppose the difference was is that sort of um, England played second-choice players who had a chance of yeah, being got, in, involved. Yeah, it's got players off the back. Gareth and, Jenkins uh, played second-choice players who yeah. simply did not stand a chance of some like being starters in, uh, in France. And then 2011, they, they, they showed some real guts at... at Twickenham came back came George North you know pushed them close they won in Cardiff the weekend after and that probably set the sort of agenda for for, for New Zealand didn't it yes. don't be wrong mind. I was saying this to Andy on the way up to the Vale today I've been to Twickenham three times now I think with to watch Wales and I've never seen them win there so I'm hoping oh, so we're sending you again on Sunday <laughs> I'm hoping that that's going to change this weekend in but some respects Ben there's more pressure on Wales for this match because of the team England have picked well no that's, yeah it's yeah. 100% there's mm. more more pressure on Wales and yeah. that's what we're yeah, Wales cannot cannot flop then no. Gatlin will like that wouldn't he yeah he will yeah he will because sure. it's yeah. going to test this is a big test of his yeah. even though it doesn't look it on paper this is still a big test for Wales yeah. but in different ways to how we would normally um, view it there we go um, that's saying that's it. again that's England put to bed um, next up will be uh, your questions right then it's time for the uh, the final part of the podcast and that is of course uh, your questions so let's let's get straight into it uh, first one is uh, off the the rugby forum that's uh, from a regular listener that's Jamie Phillips oh yeah Jamie, Jamie. Uh, so taking into account the strengths of the matchday squads that have been named how concerning would it be if a strong Wales side lost to an experimental England side at Twickenham on Sunday who well, wants to kick off with that massively concerning isn't it like I mean yeah it's, it would it would put huge pressure on Wales and um, you know you, you don't put much stock in, in these warm up matches and we say the results don't matter and, and this and that but the fact of the matter is, if Wales, if Wales got spanked in the next four games, it would matter. And you know they're full strength now. This this is not uh, a bit part Wales side. This is not, you know, a couple of first team players and and then the rest of an experimental side. This is very close to our Wales's best team, and and it can't go to Twickenham, really now. And, and lose to a second string England side. Otherwise, that that does raise raise alarm bells. Yeah, it would be devastating blow uh, to, to to confidence if Wales want to win the World Cup. They got to go to Twickenham this weekend and uh, and win against that England uh, uh, side. Wales are on this roll; they need to keep it going. Uh, if Wales was to lose all four matches uh, uh, in the warm-ups, that uh, you go into World Cup then in a fragile state. Yeah. Anyone fancy their chances at all? I think the confidence thing is the, is the biggest thing right now. Wales feel invincible every time they walk onto the field, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. You know they've they've alluded to it in the past where they've forgotten how to lose all this and that, and the players have said it. I think Aaron Wainwright has, has alluded to it again this week. If they lose that air of invincibility, then it's going to be a, an interesting to see how they respond to that. It, you know, you don't want Wales going into the World Cup second guessing themselves, and if they lose to a second string England side. And you know it does sow a few seeds of doubt. 
Yeah, ideally, it is autumn. You want Wales to do the double over England, looking at the selection for this weekend, and you want them to uh, beat Ireland once, at least once. Hopefully twice, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but at least once. Yeah, not, not lose a game per- until next year. fully loaded in Dublin <laughs> at the, uh, in the final warm-up match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, following on nicely from that, this is a question from Connor P. Morgan on Facebook. Do you think Gatland is making a statement sending such a strong side to Twickenham close, so close to the Rugby World Cup? Or is he just being reckless? Well, I don't think he's he's trying to send any statements. Um, Wales are very much their own their own men at the moment. They've had a plan. Warren Gatlin's spoken about it many times before. This plan has been in place for over two years now. The, they've not deviated from it, as he said today. It's all everything that's happened has happened the way it's supposed to happen. You know, barring injuries. So I don't think Warren Gatlin is trying to to go up there and put. 50 points on England or anything like that and, and really make a statement and say you are, there's the marker. I, I don't think that at all, I think it's just this is what Wales want to do whatever England do is England's business if, if England name full strength or second side that's, that's up to them, like we said they haven't had any conversations this week Wales are just thinking about themselves in fact, you know, Warren Gatland alluded to it that they haven't really given England much thought this week or done much analysis on them Um so I think Wales are just doing what, what they always set out to, really. It, it would have been reckless if Wales had gone up there with a the second team and England had picked their first team. Yeah, yeah. You know, we would have, have faced a possibility of having a hammering like you've spoken about earlier, in, uh, not to the same degree, but you know you might have shipped 30 points. Uh, don't forget, they they they, armor, they actually thrashed us in 2016 in the warm-up match before the uh, oh, yeah. tour and in New that Zealand. Was, that was, a you know, that was one-sided, looked, wasn't it? That, that was, uh, and that's that the sort was, of thing you wouldn't want to happen. And uh, this time, yeah. so Gatlin's not being reckless because you cannot wrap uh, players in cotton wool. Already today, we've talked about Falatel's injury, Thomas Williams, Corey Hill. Well, they've all been sustained in training. I suppose if, if we're talking about Gatlin making statements, the statement he is making is, is to the other boys in the squad. He's saying, this is the strongest 23. They're pretty much all nailed on for the plane. Yeah. There's three games after this. You've got to earn your place. This is this is the marker that we're setting down. There's one guy we haven't spoken about today as well, and that's Owen Lane. And and before today's announcement, it was a lot of people were saying if anyone's going to make it out, you know, come from nowhere to make it, then it would be him. You know, he was mentioned across the board as being somebody who was going to who, who could be given a chance at Twickenham. Uh, Warren Gatlin has sent a message picking this squad, as you said, that you know he's not for, one for dishing out caps where they're not warranted at the moment. So. Based on what he said as well today, I don't see Owen Lane getting a shout until Ireland in Cardiff. Yeah. It's also an argument here that Wales, they know their, they know their best 23 or close to it, and they just hone in and perfecting ta- tactics and uh, uh, working on a game plan and uh, trying to get a rhythm and all for the World Cup. Exactly. Set, in other words, they are settled. Mm. Yeah, if, if, you go, if you go to Twickenham with a weakened squad and you lose with combination, different combinations, then you're suddenly you're, you're chasing sort of... Exactly. you're chasing the experiment while well, if you come out with a strong side you've set the benchmark and then whatever they do in the next three weeks is just sort of tweaking it and adding different yeah. if, vari- if, if variables if Wales had finished third or fourth in the Six Nations you know it would be different you would be trying yeah. players and all and trying to get a better side but you know you can't get much you can't get any better in one sense than, than a team has won 40, or a record 14 in a row and has just uh, uh, lifted a Six Nations Grand Slam there we go. Um, this one from Terry Lewis again on Facebook. Has Lee Halfpenny played his last game for Wales? Absolutely not. Um, 
Lee Halfpenny is under. I think he's underrated by some people. Uh, you know, obviously everyone accepts he's one of the best goal kickers in the world. But I actually think it's a lot more Lee Halfpenny's game than that. Uh, I would argue myself, Liam Williams. Yeah, he should be Wales's first choice uh, fullback. Uh, but there's no reason or why Lee Halfpenny can't revert to his former position of uh, of wing because he was a top class winger on the international stage and uh, he is a good player. Uh, people say he doesn't score enough tries from fullback, but if you look at the link work he does when Wales do move the ball and all, he's excellent at fixing defenders and passing the ball. There's a lot more to Lee Halfpenny than people give him credit for. He's also excellent in defence. His reading of the game, his, pos- his positional play is first class. He's brave and he's good under the uh, uh, under the eye ball. So we definitely am seeing the uh, last of Halfpenny. Uh, he's a certainty to go to the World Cup, in my opinion. <laughs> I just wonder if we're being trolled with that suggestion. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, it does I feel... mean, look, I know Liam Williams is, has taken control of that 15 jersey and uh, in Lee Halfpenny's absence since he's had his concussion problems and Liam Williams is rightfully the man in control of that jersey now because as we've alluded to before, players get injured, the ones come in, play well, they keep the shirt. That's the way it works and that's how the best teams in the world operate and Lee Halfpenny will accept that. I think he has no choice but to accept it the way things have gone. Uh, you've got Dan Bigger and Gareth Anscombe there who are now good enough well Dan Bigger certainly there are still some people would still raise question marks over Gareth Anscombe's kick in but I think it's just good enough you know he showed against Ireland in that Grand Slam game that he's he can do it so Lee Halfpenny has to almost go back to the drawing board have a look at himself and and come back a better player and you know the first thing for him was just to get fit again and now hopefully it's, it seems like we're there so now it's um, now it's a case of him kicking on and, and trying to get his shirt back. I certainly don't think we've any by any stretch of the imagination seen him play his last game for Wales. I just think the way things are going at the moment, Liam Williams is the man in control of the shirt. But Lee Halfpenny, don't get me wrong, is still a, a total world class operator. And if you had somebody, if you had to put your mortgage on somebody taking a high ball or or getting in the right part of the field to snuff out. An opposition attack, Lee Halfpenny would be one of the first people you go for. Mm. I, I think for the World Cup, two of the back three pick ourselves in Liam Williams, Josh Adams. The only one actually might be a bit of question over is George North. And uh, he might be under the most pressure to keep his place, though I would expect Gatlin to start with him at the World Cup. And then uh, see how he goes. Because Gatlin's raised a lot of questions about his defence. I know, I know, I know we're saying the Halfpenny's career is not finished, but he is not playing wing ahead of George North at the World Cup. Depends how well George plays. George George North is one of the, I think, still one of the only players in that squad who, when opposition players see his name on the team sheet, it immediately puts doubt in their mind. I just think he is, on any given day, if he decides he wants to turn yeah. it on, then he is trouble. And he's also he's also improved his strike rate over the last few years at test level. It was very good when he started, and then he went off yeah, the boil a bit. I know? think he had, a, he had a sort of. I think he was a victim of his own success oh, in that was. regard. Yeah, he had a lot. A lot came to him at a very young age, exactly. and, and I think and he had those knocks. Yeah, and uh, which probably but actually was, which you look back. Him. You look back over his career. It's it's a, it's a bit of a roller coaster, but I think he's he's steadied in the last few yep. years. The move to the Ospreys has, has stood him in good stead. I thought um, in the uh, Six Nations last year when he came back from injury halfway through, he actually came on in the England game that they lost. Yeah. And I thought he, he, he showed some really good signs. And I thought towards the end of that campaign, he was coming back to some of his better form. 
uh, started this season like a house on fire for the Ospreys, or sorry, the season just gone. Yeah. Uh, and obviously was dragged Wales out of oblivion in Paris with two tries. Obviously, the first one you get you get your luck, but the second one was 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 a bona fide interception. Probably passion had been thrown, but it was, and he finished it. Uh, not you know, notwithstanding defensive errors in the first half, letting Uj get around him. So I'm not I'm not defending that, but I still think that that North is is one of those who is nailed on more often than not because he's one of those you see his name on a team sheet and immediately the opposition begin to start worrying about him. There we go. Uh, just time for one more question. I got a feeling it's going to be a quite quick answer. This is uh, from <laughs> Bedwe Gillage Gillage on. Uh, Twitter. Sorry for, I sorry. feel like you need to apologise for that uh, pronunciation. I'll, I'll, I'll apologise for butchering <laughs> your name there. Um, would a loss actually take the pressure off of Wales in terms of that winning streak? No. You Ooh. want to extend that winning streak, hopefully it will work record. Yeah. I mean, I, I, get, I can see where the question is coming from, but given the, the side that England have selected, if, if they lose it, <laughs> It might take the pressure off them in that regard, but there's going to be a long queue of people to pile on pressure of a different kind after you know the way the two teams have transpired. So, you know, if England had picked the full strength side, then I could see the the logic behind it. But given that they've picked the second I, string, they can't lose this yeah, game. I, I can't see any logic behind it whatsoever because the more matches you win in it, whether it's in football, rugby, or whatever sport, the more invincible you feel. Yeah, no, and I, it's not often, but. I, I do agree with with Andy on this one. Um, wow, no, there is part of me wonders like if you get to the World Cup, and I think we worked out the other day just off top of our heads maybe, but it may be like the Australia if they're still on for a world record, it's going to be it might come during the World Cup, and you know do you really need that that extra sort Against of Australia? I think yeah, you don't really. I don't think you need that added pressure. Um, but like Andy said, I think just the the confidence that comes with winning yeah. that invincible feeling, as I alluded to earlier, is just something that they want to want to continue with. Exactly. I think we'll leave it there. with you to agree, and I think that's the perfect place to uh, <laughs> nice harmonious end to, to the podcast. To call it to end because I don't know what else would happen once you two start agreeing. I don't know what what, what, what happens next. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for today's uh, podcast. You enjoyed it, Andy? All this new uh, technology? Yes, uh, excellent. It's, uh, it makes me feel like I'm back in a real radio studio. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's it. Um, obviously, we got all the coverage uh, this uh, this weekend. Obviously, the game's on Sunday. Don't get caught out by that because I, I, up until recently, I thought it was on a Saturday. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you mean on your own Twickenham, man? I'll be wandering around uh, Twickenham tomorrow. You'll be camping up here, son, or sleeping in the car if you've got so, yeah. up Saturday. <laughs> So yeah, we'll uh, we'll have uh, all the all the coverage from Twickenham on Sunday live blog, all the reaction, and then we'll be back with the podcast on Monday uh, again with all the reaction. So that's when you need to tune in next. Um, that's it for today. Cheers.